Welcome to our After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. Welcome to the After the Bell podcast brought to you by Thirsty Scholars. I'm Georgie, Director of Learning and Development for the Classroom Partnership. This is a series of podcasts initially focusing on Rosa Shine's principles of instruction. And today's expert, Helen Morgan, a previous head of school, and Andy Bridge, current deputy principal, join me to discuss these further. In previous episodes, we have focused on the ECT years and the RQT years. And today we're looking at unpacking Rosenstein's principles of instruction and step six, which is checking for student understanding. So over to you, Helen. What principles have we covered previously in our podcasts? Hi, Georgie. Hi, Andy. Um, It's great to see you both. Um, So we've covered um, five of the principles so far um, and today is number six. So we've covered the first one, which is daily review. Um, The second one is presenting new information in small steps. Um, The third one that we covered was asking questions. Number four was providing models. Number five was guiding students practice. And today we're going to think about checking for student understanding. Brilliant. Thank you, Helen. Thank you for the wrap up. And Andy, how does step six then complement the existing principles of instruction framework that we've already discussed? This checking for student understanding really is about us as teachers, not just assuming that whatever we've shared with our class has been understood by them. Like we know that um, learning's messy and that humans are complex and just because we've transmitted something doesn't mean the students are going to receive it so to help with that checking for understanding it really probably links best with the questioning um, strand that we've already um, discussed in a previous episode but also the presenting new information in small steps um, if we wait until we've delivered a you know significant um, amount of content or a really complex idea and do that questioning and checking for understanding at that step, there's maybe the misconceptions that we've missed along the way. So they're the two probably questioning and presenting information in small steps. Thanks, Andy. I know that research suggests that the checking for student understanding is actually seen as the core concept sort of that holds everything together in the principles. Um, And quite often it's referred to as CSU. Um, And it's often seen also as the single biggest common area for teacher development. So the things that get picked up when they're observed or or are missing in in, um, lessons that are seen and observed. So Helen, what are your perspectives around uh, the importance of checking for student understanding? Yeah, I think, I mean, you you pick up that it's absolutely core um, and it's something that lots of teachers um, have identified through observation or through feedback as an area to develop. And I think one of the key things with that is, you know, when you're actually teaching and you're right in the middle of the game, um, delivering your lesson, you're sometimes so focused on the content, you actually forget to check whether students understand it. And I think when we think about checking for understanding, what we know is that more effective teachers Um, spend more time 
checking, student understanding, but also that those effective teachers understand that. Um, checking for understanding does two things. Um, on one hand, you know, it checks whether students are secure, like Andy said, with the content of the lesson. So it helps you as the teacher to get some feedback about whether you need to perhaps reteach something or whether there are any of those misconceptions that you need to address. I think the other thing that it does, the second thing, is it really encourages students to elaborate. So when you check their understanding, they can explain back to you what they've understood. Often they'll elaborate and build some detail into that. Um, and therefore, what it does is it really promotes thinking and it promotes that connection making, which helps them to build what we've discussed in other podcasts, which is that roadmap of knowledge. Yeah, I think that's really important, Helen, and also um, making and ensuring that actually questions are, are not just at a general overview level um, to support sort of the, the teacher instruction, but they can also be used to become quite forensic. So focus on sort of individuals and, and drill down to sort of key points that you're trying to sort of really re-emphasise. Andy, what are your perspectives and how important checking for student understanding is? So I think it's really important, but it wasn't until I read um, Tom Sherrington's book about um, his take on Rosenshine's principles of instruction that I kind of actually realised just how important it was. So he gives an analogy in the book about um, if you're doing something really high stakes like abseiling, you wouldn't just demonstrate how to attach all your safety equipment and then assume that everybody's done it correctly and send them over the edge of that mountain. Like you'd check individually that they all had that process absolutely 100% correct. And, and then we might think, well, you know, that's an extreme example. It's really high stakes, but actually like learning and education is high stakes. Like for the students in your room, they do only get one shot and like one education so it, it is high stakes so i think um you know both rose and shine and tom sherrington talk about this is the principle that holds everything else together that's at the center of it all so like i completely agree it's crucial i love that andy i think uh that's going to be my key takeaway today learning's high stakes and absolutely, I, I, you know, it really supports that and for every learner in the classroom as well. So gold star for you, Andy. Moving on, Helen, what would you say, what does it look like in the classroom? How, what are examples of how teachers can actually implement checking for student understanding? So I'm just still smiling at that analogy um, that Andy used from Tom Sherrington because it's a brilliant one, isn't it? But I think the question for teachers is, is how do we translate the theory of this into practice? And I think one of the things that Rosenshine's principles does so well is it helps to build that bridge. So, you know, often um, as a teacher, what we might say to students is any questions? Have you all understood? Um, and we make that assumption that they've just understood things and we don't do that really thorough checking. So I think there are two or three things that are really simple that teachers can do. Um, one is just to get students to relay back um, what they've understood from what you've said. So instead of saying, you know, has everyone understood? It might be that you say to a, a student, 
just explain to me what you understood by that. So you get them to relay back to you what they actually understand. At that point, they might do some of that elaboration. They might do some of that um, connecting build, like connection building as well. Um, I think one of the other things that's, again, really, really simple to do is getting students um, to summarise things. So I think summary is often underrated. So you might just ask them, you know, what are the main points from what we've just discussed? So you get them to identify the main points. Um, another thing that, um, again, is recommended in the books is getting students to defend a position um, or to say whether they agree or disagree with something. So, you know, if you think about that from from our own subject perspective, um, it might be just getting students to think about if you're studying the merchant of Venice, um, you know, is Shylock a, a villain or a victim? Um, and getting them to think about what their position is and to explain that or defend that to the rest of the class. Because at that point, you can check what their understanding is, what they're thinking, and you can address it any misconceptions. So just a couple of quick ideas there, but, you know, summary, relay back, ask them to agree or disagree or defend a position. They're really, really great suggestions and examples. And also, I think the way that you word and position a question as well is really, really important around CFU. So um, the, the, there's a good example in Tom Sheridan's book around um, verses. Have you understood? If you ask that question, you're going to get um, a very basic response. Whereas if you actually ask someone, what have you understood? It opens up an explanation. It opens up opportunity and puts the onus on back on the, the learner to actually reflect on what they have actually understood. Andy, what would you build on that? Um, I really liked all those strategies Helen just shared. I think for me as well, though, there's um, an opportunity to like this checking for student understanding doesn't all have to be the teacher at the front question in one student. So I think you can link it in really nicely to some of Dylan Williams um, work on effective assessment for learning. Two strands in particular, one, the um, engineering effective classroom discussions, but also activating students as a learning resource for each other. So students being able to articulate to each other in a pair, you know, what is your understanding of this topic? Can you explain what we've just done to a partner? And then they're, they're checking each other's understanding, they're learning from each other. And then the teacher maybe just picks a sample um, from within the class to explain to the wider group. And then they're not only checking that they're understood, but in articulating it to somebody else, it's strengthening those schema and really strengthening the connections um, with those topics as well, I think. I think just building on that as well, kind of, you know, strengthening that schema and strengthening the connections is really important. But but Andy made a really good point about, you know, how do you get all students involved in that? And maybe there's that step before where you can use something like mini whiteboards or show me boards where you get everybody thinking. And then as the teacher, what you do is you check for understanding across the class I think you know one of the things that you might historically have seen a lot of in classrooms is students putting their hands up to answer questions um, but often the students who put their hands up are the students who feel pretty secure um, and you'd have other students opting out 
So when you check for understanding, it's it's really important that you're scanning and thinking about the whole class and checking for understanding with all students, not just individuals, that like you don't just go to one student, you check that they understood, they give you the answer that, that you know, you want from them and then you move on because there might be 29 students in the class who really don't understand or there might be a, a misconception. So I think one of the things that certainly kind of Dylan William pushes and Tom Sherrington is there's got to be some rigour with it. You've got to get underneath it a little bit. Yeah, it's back to that forensic questioning again, Helen, isn't it? CFUs as valuable as, as the tools that you use and, and how frequently you use it. And the teacher can use it also to gain feedback about what part of the material might need to be re revisited or retaught. So it's a great, great opportunity there. Andy, you, you were going to share another point with us. Yeah, just kind of following up from a, a conversation Helen and I were having earlier this week about um, so this isn't just a case of teachers doing checking for understanding or making sure that they're putting this in their lesson, but actually acknowledging that doing so is quite complex and there's an awful lot of small steps to do that effectively. So Helen and I were talking about like if you're using mini whiteboards to check for student understanding, what does that look like if you were going to do it as like a 10 out of 10? Like how do you use mini whiteboards? to their absolute best effect and what are all the small steps that you need to incorporate um, into your lesson to, to do that really effectively. So it's not just a case of doing these things, it's thinking about the very small steps and incorporating them and thinking about which ones do you do really well, which ones have you maybe missed and addressing that training need as well. I would assume that's when it's it then becomes most effective, Andy, would you agree? Yeah, definitely. And I think it kind of links into um, the evidence base around instructional coaching and really identifying small, powerful, like what we call a leverage step and um, the small tweaks in your practice that's going to have the biggest impact. And sometimes those small changes to how you're implementing something like the use of mini whiteboards will have a really significant effect on learning. Yeah, I think I think just building on that, it's 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 getting teachers to think about what kinds of questions that they're going to ask to check for understanding. So, you know, is it a, a fairly closed question? So if you were doing Romeo and Juliet, you know, is Romeo Montague a Capulet? But then you want the more probing questions and getting teachers to think about what it is that they want the question to check. So do they want it to probe? Do they want to just check factual knowledge or you know do they want to kind of really push that process and ask more process questions so you know how, how did you work that out then talk me through how you work that out and getting students to walk them through the steps that they they took to check their understanding not just of the answer but of the process that gets to the answer and again that's really valuable but but I think Again, the instructional coaching model and being quite precise can really support that. Thank you, Helen. I think that concept also of, of pushing the process and actually really getting the students to think about what model they followed and how they've um, they've embedded and, and got to that answer helps 
um, develop them and their metacognition and their learning to learn as we've covered also previously in other discussions. So it all links through, it's all cyclical. So as we've said before, these principles, Rosenstein's principles of instruction are really simplistic. However, they're really valuable and clear and, and quite a useful framework for teachers to use to sort of just reflect on on their own practice. Are there any challenges or top tips that you would actually give to people around when they are checking for student understanding um, or CFU? Yeah, I think um, one thing I'd say is teachers are sometimes wary of spending too long on their lesson on this or doing checking for understanding, but allowing students to give fairly short um, responses. It kind of it reassures the teacher a bit that they have understood and then they can um, get going with something else. Whereas um, I think Helen touched upon before, like the power of elaboration um, and really pushing students to say, and what else, and what else, and why, and why is that significant, and what else can you remember to really get them to talk through um, the full process, not just a, a part explanation, but really developing that is really powerful. I think teachers should feel confident to take that time in their class, in their lessons, um, to exploit that. Yeah, I think. Just kind of building on that as well, you know, if, if teachers want two ways of, of doing that, that can be really straightforward. Again, not more work, but just doing it differently. Um, Dylan William talks a lot about using minimal encouragers with students. So just words like Andy said there, and, and, really, you know, does everyone agree? So just kind of those little words that encourage students to say more. I, th I think one of the things that I also think you see really effective teachers do is they make it really invitational. So they almost make it irresistible for students to give that short answer. And they'll just use little phrases like, you know, go on, tell me more about that. Tell me a little bit more. And they just really draw the student with that process. And I think Again, if you see a really skillful teacher, they don't even need the minimal encouragers. They'll use nonverbal cues, so they'll use the invitational hand. And they'll just invite students to build on each other's points. Um, they might put hands on hips and step back, which is a really. And when those relationships are really strong and you see really skillful teachers at work, they're checking for understanding is through everything that they do, not just the questions that they ask. Don't know if you'd agree with that, Andy. And it is, it is a beautiful thing to witness as well when you watch that that experience in the classroom. Um, yeah, that that's magic teaching happening. Andy, I think, like I, I totally agree, and I think like we've talked about this is kind of at the centre of the other principles. So. Me, like if you're a, an early career teacher or you kind of at the first stages of think about incorporating some Rosenstein's principles into your practice we've said they're not a checklist of 10 things to include everything or you don't need to work through them sequentially but this is probably a really good starting place to think about your practice because in getting this right it kind of opens up those opportunities to to bring in all the other strands whereas this is this is the central one um really so great starting point I'd say 
absolutely. And so as we start to wrap up today, and uh, we're going to check for understanding with our experts. So what would be your uh, one key takeaway, Andy, from today? Uh, I think that checking for understanding is not only crucial for the teacher um, to obviously check what the students have understood and what they've not, and to identify which aspects that you need to reteach, but also it's beneficial for the students. It strengthens those connections. It builds the schema, so they will benefit from the process of that check-in as well as the teacher benefiting. Absolutely, I think uh, that's a really strong uh, sort of takeaway. And also, Helen, what would you uh, share as uh, your key takeaway? So I think probably mine again would be, I think Andy's point was, was a really great one there. But I think for me, when we're thinking about checking for understanding, make sure that you're taking into consideration the understanding of the whole class and each individual within the class. And again, make the most of reading the room. So if you know your class really well, um, read the room, because often what you can do is you can see by a student's body language where they might just need a little bit of encouragement to do that checking process and do some of that drawing out. But actually for them, it's really, really valuable. So think about the whole class. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, thank you again for our experts today, Andy Bridge and Helen Morgan. It's always a pleasure to chat through these areas. And I always have lots of key takeaways myself. So for me, um, I think the efficacy around um, checking for understanding is about it's at the centre of uh, Rosenshine's principles of instruction. We've covered elements such as making sure that you're defending up your position, using skills, describing checking for understanding as an almost a forensic or a probing approach, and also using um, a skill set, pushing the process, really pushing the students. So why did you do it? What made you think that? Um, and the importance also of nonverbal cues. Um, by making sure that you check for understanding, it forces us to consider the detail of what we want all our students to know. Um, and ultimately, as Andy shared with us at the beginning, learning is high stakes. You are your learners are in your hands and, and you can use this uh, powerful tool to make sure that they're actually learning and scaffolding them and building their learning. Next week, we will be focusing on our next po podcast, which is again, Rosenstein's Principles of Instruction, and we're moving on to step seven, which is about obtaining or obtain for a high success rate. And this means that it's important that students are challenged and that they have learning goals that are ahead of them. They also, uh, we would explore that it's uh, part of the growth mindset research, and uh, we hope that we can unpack this further for you next week. This is uh, part of a series of the Afterbell podcast and we're released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things education on your daily commute, on your treadmill or if you're cooking the dinner. And we also have a series of free Twilight Toolkit webinars which are free to sign up, which give top tips and strategies for teachers, teaching assistants anybody that's interested in education. It's always a pleasure to have these conversations 
um, and I get to look at some funny faces as we go through. Um, and uh, looking forward to catching up with you again very soon. Thank you very much. <laughs>